Welcome to Healthy Vision Talk Radio, the podcast for people in search of a physician with alternative solutions for their eye problems. From the best-selling, award-winning, world's-only homeopathic ophthalmologist, here's your host, Dr. Edward Kondrat. Uh, Welcome, everyone, to Healthy Vision. This is your host, Dr. Edward Kondrat, and I'm so grateful that you're joining me this Sunday evening, and this is Thanksgiving weekend, and all of us uh, have so much to be thankful for, and especially myself. I am very grateful for all the things that uh, God has blessed me in my life, especially the opportunity of being an ophthalmologist, having the opportunity to do surgery and helping so many people with eye diseases. And I think it's really important that not only ophthalmologists, but all doctors kind of give back to the community. And that's one of the reasons why I began doing missionary work about five years ago. And this has been one of my, well, one of the most rewarding experiences for me, you know, giving back to people who truly are in need. And my guest this evening, and I'm just, I'm really excited to have him on the show, is Dr. Glenn uh, Strauss, who is the chair of the mission program at the Christian Ophthalmology Society. And Believe it or not, right now I am talking to him. He's in Cameroon, Africa. Uh, Dr. Strauss, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, we have so much to talk about, but I'd like to begin by if you could share with the listeners a little bit about your background, uh, why, and I always love the stories, you know, why, why, why you went into medicine and why you chose ophthalmology and kind of what led you to be so involved with the missionary work. Sure, I'd be glad to, uh, to share that with you. I, I, I come from um, uh, a family that, you know, that had um, uh, religion in the home and you know, placed a high value on, on Christianity and Christian things, but it was, it was probably somewhere in my late teen years that I'd uh, came to understand that that was something that was meant to be personal. And that was such a profound effect on me that I, I very quickly got involved in, in uh, teaching and um, studying the Bible. And it was, I was uh, fairly, in fact, in the first, I, I, think I, I think it's accurate, in the first uh, uh, four years after I found this personal relationship with God, I think I had read the Bible through five times. So I was pretty significantly, you know, interested and found it just an amazing uh, book to to study and found in it uh, that a relationship with God was of profound importance to me. Uh, so out of that came a, a lifelong interest in in helping people to to understand that, to see for themselves what was there, to to understand that they too could have that kind of a a personal relationship, and that oftentimes that came through the the, the God's word it, itself. That uh, that it was as real as the print on the page, so to speak. Uh, so I began uh, exploring, you know, a, a career in uh, maybe becoming a pastor, and felt like that was at least part of what I needed to do. I was discipled at that time by three. Uh, three men that were um, uh, very interested in Bible teaching and were part of what was at that time called the Bible Church movement. So it was um, 
you know, people that had a significant interest in Bible study and and taught me a lot about studying the Bible. And I, I was talking to them about this idea of being a pastor. And they said, well, you know, we don't really need more pastors. What we need at this point is more doctors that uh, would, you know, would serve the Lord and and could uh, could use that as a platform. And I still to this day don't really know why they said that to me, honestly. <laughs> they had this in their head that somehow it was the thing for, you know, that, that that was something that I really should consider. And combine that with, uh, so, you know, in my home, my my father had decided that, that really the thing for me to do was to be a doctor. So um, I, uh, you know, took the tests that are required and, you know, and had the... Uh, uh, the college, the the college grade point average, so that I comply and uh, and started my first round of interviews. And what was a little funny about it is that even at that point, um, you know, they would ask in their interviews. And Dr. Conrad, you may remember, maybe even you remember that far back as I do. This was, you know, in the 70s, late 70s, and they were asking me, "Why do you want to be a doctor?" And I said, "Well, it's because." I had some men tell me that was a good thing to do, including my father. <laughs> and so, you know, it was like, and uh, I don't know, I, and, uh, you know, there weren't, weren't great stories of how, you know, I was going to cure humanity of great diseases or any of that. It really was just a very straightforward, uh, you know, out of respect for what these people were saying. I felt that I should something I should pursue. No, it's kind and, of, uh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I have to smile because uh you know, when I went to medical school, it was just a, such a strong scientific basis. I mean, you know, God was not part of medicine. And, uh, you know, if you start mentioning religion or God, uh, that's why you want to go to medical school. I don't think you'd be accepted at that time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's a good point. It may well be. I, I think I, I agree with you. And it's only gotten, of course, worse, uh, as you know, since then, that it's even less, even more secularized than, uh, than ever before, I would say. So uh, I got into medical school, you know, and and uh, but then but then the problem was my main passion was preaching and teaching, and I was involved in church planting. My last year in college, I was involved in planting a church in Austin, Texas. I went to University of Texas Medical Branch, and my first thing I did when we moved to uh, the medical school, which was in Galveston, Texas, uh, was to join a small church that was just trying to get started there, just beginning to get started, and became part of the leadership for that church and fairly fairly quickly involved in teaching for that church. So it was an ongoing interest of mine to, uh, you know, to be involved with that, um, uh, that preaching and teaching ministry. Even while I was in medical school, I was involved in that. Uh, the, uh, uh, the next issue then was, well, what kind of doctor was I going to be? And, uh, you know, the what I saw in medical school was was really pretty disappointing, I must say. You know, there was not any great examples, at least where I was, of doctors that really loved God, that really wanted to serve Him, that were, you know, doing things to, you know, to further the kingdom of God. That was not at all what was happening. It was quite the opposite. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we had our ophthalmology was one of those specialties that did, just wasn't much you know, emphasis on it. It was, you know, we had two days that we went to the eye clinic to see what was happening. And I came home and I told my wife, I said, well, boy, that's something that I could really see doing because it was a, 
uh, let me use my hands. I was very much involved. In, I loved things that I used my hands for. I did carpentry to work my way through medical school and you know was t- preaching at this church and uh, I was a musician also. So I you know I, I performed quite a bit and uh, those things gave me the skills. I think the hand skills that I just love this idea of let me shoot lasers at things. You know, <laughs> kind of the the idea and. Uh, uh, so the opportunity then to pursue ophthalmology really as uh, from from the very beginning was in my mind was sort of a, a way of tent making, you know, and sometimes you think of the story of Paul who who enjoyed um, his his uh, he, he was literally a tent maker, right? He, he, that's how he earned his uh, his way so that he didn't have to depend entirely on people supporting him, though some did. He didn't have to depend on that. So um, I felt that ophthalmology gave me the best opportunities to pr- continue to pursue my, my interest in pastoral work and at the same time offer a service that, you know, would be able to support my family and and do the, you know, do some good for a lot of people. Uh, so I appreciate what you said about you know ophthalmology is just we have so much to be thankful for because it's a specialty that you know it's uh, one of those things that provides such immediate benefit to people many times you know if you remove a cataract or you correct their nearsightedness or you know provide even uh, some just some uh, you know relief from you know from eye pain you know from uh, something in somebody's eye there's um, just immediate benefits that, that people can really appreciate about it. I'm so thankful for that. Well, uh, we're coming up uh, we're coming up to a break on healthy vision, but I uh, it's interesting that I have a strong background in carpentry too. <laughs> Throughout uh, college, I worked as a carpenter's helper, and I believe that that background of understanding thinking in uh, three dimensions. Uh, you know, cutting wood and placing it really helped me with my surgical skills. There and, you go. And, right. and one of the reasons that I love ophthalmology is, uh, you know, I, I refer to bringing patients clarity of vision and clarity of vision not only on the physical plane, helping them function in their daily physical life, but also giving them insight uh, to understand, um, you know, problems in their life and, and, and you know, the maybe the lessons that they're learning from the particular uh, underlying disease that they're suffering with. So uh, we're on break. We'll be right back uh, after this break. Uh, Welcome back to Healthy Vision. And with me is Dr. Glenn Strauss. And we're talking about uh, missions in ophthalmology and giving back to patients who are truly in need. So Dr. Strauss, let's, uh, how, how did you get interested in, in missionary work? Uh, interesting for me was that, uh, you know, I, I never really imagined being in mission work, though some years after being involved with it, my wife and I remembered the story of when I was a young child, like six years old, I think it was, or seven years old, there was some childhood, you know, children's show, you know, children would go on in the you know, I think his name was Cowboy John. He would come up with his microphone and he'd say, you know, tell me, young man, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, um, and my mother had instructed me <laughs> to say I was going to be a missionary doctor. So uh, we had a, a good laugh about that because sure enough, that's what happened. 
uh, all these years later. So that's what I wound up doing. So I had a, um, uh, a I was pastoring a church in um, uh, just north of Galveston. It was a small rural church, and I was the teacher there while I had my practice in ophthalmology. And one of the one Sunday, a missionary uh, was in town that I didn't I hadn't I didn't know her. But she came up uh, to me after the service, and she said, young man, and she had one of these ways about her that you just had to pay attention to her, even though I really didn't know much about her. So, you know, just, um, just the spirit about her was very strong. And so she says, young man, I just want you to know that, that God has something more for you, and you need to be looking for what that is. And so I thought, well, that's an unusual thing for someone to come up who doesn't know me and just out of the blue say that. Uh, but I got to know her a bit and turned out she was one of the missionary developers for a group called Child Evangelism Fellowship. And, uh, and within a couple of years, I had traveled with her. as I carried her baggage, essentially, is what I did. Uh, she invited me to come with her and I carried around her baggage for uh, a trip to the Philippines where we, we visited several places and, and uh, just got a little bit of a taste from her about what mission work was like. And because of that influence and then uh, a couple years of prayer, we, we, my wife and I felt that you know, God was moving and there was something happening. We didn't know what, and so we solicited the prayers of you know, those that were close to us and the elders at our church and, um, and said, let's, let's just commit this to the Lord. So we spent uh, a couple of years uh, meeting uh, periodically and discussing the options. And out of the uh, sort of what seemed like, you know, just from out of nowhere, this uh, I had volunteered with this group called Mercy Ships. Uh, my first time was in 1997. I, I went out with them to Honduras, I believe it was, and served on one of the ships short term doing uh, uh, cataract surgery for, for that mission. And I found that it, it just provided a good opportunity for both the gospel and for the skills that I had. Uh, to to use those um, in kind of in a, uh, a complete sort of way. It wasn't just go and operate, but it was also the opportunity to share and use my other skills, my teaching skills and so on. So I started doing that once a year. And by 2002, they, had in, they, uh, they, uh, they called in and we had a meeting and they said, we'd like you to take on uh, and run our eye program for Mercy Ships International. Uh, that was in 2002, and so we thought there's no way that I can imagine how I was doing that. I was fully involved in church work, and uh, I was a worship leader, and etc. So, um, and we just couldn't see how we could do that. Our children were just getting older. We had four kids, and uh, but they had just pretty much all had left by that time, and um, we started praying again about what was the best option, and. Uh, Kim, my wife, had uh, you know, felt like there was just um, the opportunity was needed some confirmation. So they said when they were talking about me leaving my practice altogether, and I was almost uh, almost 50 years old, so not quite 50. And uh, you you know, Dr. Conrad, you know this. Uh, that's that's the age when you finally figured out how to do it all, right? <laughs> you just you just finally got good at everything you're trying to do and. You're at your optimal time for, you know, uh, saving up for retirement and all those things. And sure enough, God comes in and says, 
So how about leaving all that and going into missions full time? So my wife put out some fleeces, we we called them, uh, some little things that said, you know, is this something we should do or not? This was a, a big decision for us. And sure enough, one after another, each of those things, uh, God showed us very clearly that this was his calling for this season on our life was to leave the practice and trust him uh, for what we would need you know, from then on. Uh, so left my practice in 2004 and started working with Mercy Ships full-time, started living with friends and uh, family um family foundations, you know, that, that gave us some grants. And what was very interesting to both of us, both Kim and I, was that, uh, um, you know, we, we had each year, we had a, you know, a, a budget as far as what we'd do. And each year, we wound up with exactly the same amount at the end of the year, almost, almost to the dollar, within about $10, $15. We wound up at the end of the year with almost exactly the same amount we started at the beginning of the year. And I thought that was just really remarkable <laughs> how God had, he provides just enough uh, for us to do what he wants us to do. Um, in our case, it was not more, it was not less, it was just enough. But that was quite a confirmation to us. And so we continued from there and uh, serving full time with Mercy Ships until to the end of 2010. Uh, lived on a ship in Africa, serving not just Central America, but then we also served in uh, uh, in Africa and have been in about 35 different countries now, um, teaching primarily, uh, teaching cataract surgery, which is a, a marvelous opportunity to influence the next generation of of African surgeons. You know that uh, that can be an influence for the Lord uh, in their own communities. And um, so we found it to be a good place that I could do discipleship as well as surgical training. And I began to sharpen my skills for doing that. And that is uh, in 2010, um, left uh, full-time with Mercy Ships and was just part-time with them and started another project for training with another organization called Help Me See. Uh, and Help Me See was the opportunity to build a training system that could support uh, the training of uh, surgeons in, in Africa who don't have opportunities for training like we do. Uh, you know, we had access to great things. We had access to great equipment and great tools and great instructors, and, and it, you know, it launched our careers. They don't have that. And my passion became supporting these surgeons that it's not just the patients that don't have access, the doctors don't either. So what if we provided them the tools for training that allowed them to become great surgeons in their own right? What if we could do that? And that's what I've been doing these past few years is working on that project, developing a simulator, a high-tech training tool uh, to do low-tech surgery uh, with this specific technique that is appropriate for, for these places that we uh, were working in Africa. Right now, I sit in Douala, Cameroon, as you mentioned earlier in the program, and uh, here the government has uh, decided they're ready to launch a, a, an eradicate blindness campaign. Uh, they have only 10, I believe, or 12, it is, surgeons who operate here to do cataract surgery. And that's for a population of about 24 million people. So just imagine, uh, you know, the listeners could just imagine what that's like trying to have a problem as simple as cataracts taken care of when there's only 12 doctors in the country to take care of it. Uh, so huge 
problem in meeting the need, and that doesn't even count those patients that are poor, uh, that you know even if there was a doctor available, they couldn't afford to pay for it. Uh, so we're part of this eradicate blindness campaign. That's why I'm here. I'm training a local surgeon. And I'm happy to say uh, uh, she's doing incredibly well. She'd never done any surgery before. So Dr. Conrad, if you've uh, trained someone, uh, you know what it's like when you, you know you you're sitting in the operating room with that that new surgeon, never done any surgery before. It's a time for prayer for sure because you you want the patient to do well. You want them to learn. Uh, but she has done remarkably well, and now she is uh, operating on her own after two months, uh, working with her side by side, and um, she's able to now uh, start um, providing for the patients here in Cameroon. I have another month with her, um, and it's been an opportunity to share my faith with her as well as my surgical skills. Well, we're coming up to another break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the ways that you're helping develop the surgical skills uh, in other surgeons, which I think is just uh, wonderful. We'll be right back after this break. That's great. All right, welcome back to Healthy Vision. And I wanted to share with you, Dr. Strauss, I just returned from a mission in Vietnam and I worked with some ophthalmic surgeons there. I mean, really skilled surgeons, but they just didn't have the um, the knowledge or the, the surgical knowledge to do procedures. And one thing that really shocked me, I worked at an orphanage and there were so many kids with crossed eyes and the attitude of the surgeons were, well, you know, the operation isn't that accurate. We're not gonna give them binocular vision, so why, why do it? And I explained to them that just the, the self-esteem of the child, you know, it's severe crossed eyes and you just do your best to straighten those eyes. You, you give them better self-esteem and give them a better outlook on light, life. So just that little bit of sharing that knowledge with them, now they want to learn how to do simple strabismus surgery. So I was under the gun. Fantastic. I haven't done a strabismus operation in over 10 years. And I was teaching them how to do it with very crude equipment. And, mm. uh, the, you know, the results turned out very, very well. So I was just, uh, I just... Fantastic. Well, you know what it's like. It's um, uh, we're used to having the best equipment, the best circumstances here in the United States, and you know when you go to a third world country and you you do the best you can, and you're you're sharing information with people that are just extremely grateful. It's it's just hard to describe the the satisfaction that you have. Sure. I have to tell you a story that I think you'd appreciate about the strabismus thing. I was in the Philippines, and uh, there was a young man. He was in his uh, late teens. Uh, he had severely crossed eyes, and um, he uh, he was hoping that there was something I could do. And um, he didn't really tell me much about what the problem was, but I I was able to to address his problem really with, you know, not much equipment. And the, one of the nice things was, you know, that he he had a really good result. Well, he came back, um, I guess it was several days later, and his eyes were already, you know, the great thing about that surgery, it's almost immediate, the effect. You know, it's, you see the straight eyes the next day. So he came back after surgery, and he was all grins, and he said that uh, he now had proposed to um, for marriage. <laughs> so... 
his reason for wanting the straight eyes was so that he could find someone to marry him, and he had succeeded in that in only a few days. I just think that's pretty, you know, <laughs> that's pretty transformation, transformational. Yeah, you could um, have that kind of effect. So, so uh, you know, being involved with um, missions for, I guess, how many years now? Uh, 20, 20 some years, twenty plus years. Yeah, about 20, a little over 20 years. Um, so where do you think the biggest need is uh, for for folks? Because uh, some of the listeners may not be familiar with eye diseases in third world countries, and they may not be that familiar with the impact one person can have, like yourself, going into an area and transforming not only giving people sight, but also educating other doctors to carry on the work. Um, maybe let's sure. talk a little bit about the, the really the, where the big need is. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you've raised an important question, uh, you know, as to how to encourage our, our colleagues about the, about the opportunity there. There's, uh, there's, there's a lot that can be done and it just gets just it gets discouraging though and you know I think I know you would know what I mean that the need is overwhelming it's I'm just one person um, you know I, I just as well stay home right that's sort of the attitude sometimes I hear and we realize that we realize that in leaving my practice and going out to do that that we're not going to change the world you know we're going to change a few people's life that's what's going to happen and maybe if we can change the life of a surgeon, that can multiply a bit. But in the end, it's still just a small thing. But isn't that, isn't that the way of the kingdom anyway? Isn't that how it works? It's just that small seed that's planted that produces fruit. It's not the big things that, uh, that you're looking for. I think in God's plan, I think it seems like it's always the small things. If you're faithful in little then he will make you, uh, you know, he will give you a stewardship for more. You know, it's, that's that's the way the principle seems to always work. You you see? What, you agree? What do you think about that? Well, you know, I I can remember working hard as a resident in my training, and when I was in Vietnam working at uh, an orphanage in these small villages, I was doing 400 eye exams a day, 400 eye exams a day, and. I kind of reflected that I said, my goodness, I'm the only ophthalmologist that these people will ever see in their lifetime. I only have one opportunity, one shot to, you know, evaluate them, make a diagnosis and kind of triage them and help them in the right direction. So, you know, I never worked so hard in my life, but the, the reward and satisfaction was just overwhelming. Just simply, you know, getting a, a simple spectacle on a a young child that gave them a little bit better vision and seeing the smile on their face, you know that was sure that that was reward enough. I you don't really need to do a complex surgical procedure or make a diagnosis of some rare ocular condition. Plus, I think that the idea that they knew that here you are, uh, a doctor from another country, coming there to help them. I think that was really moving in itself. You know, this famous doctor, they called mm. me professor, <laughs> that, you know, well, I, uh, I was uh -huh. there helping. Just the idea of uh, giving love and helping these individuals. Sometimes that's all is necessary, that they know that someone else is interested in their welfare. 
That's a great point. And in fact, we once a week, we ask our patients, they come for their final appointment, and we ask them to gather and just tell some of their stories about, <coughs> excuse me, about the impact that this has had on their life. And it's, in, it's really incredible how often they will say uh, it was the way they were treated that made the biggest difference, not the surgery uh, or not the, you know, the, the treatment for some medical condition. It's how they were treated, that they were treated with respect, that they were cared for, that someone actually you know, treated them like a real person, even though they're poor. Um, that has a profound effect on people when they experience that. It's almost like medicine for the soul. You know, the, you know, you can provide medicine for the eyes, but there's another part of this that by, by doing some of these things, when offering your time, offering your services, and doing so with the, you know, with the high respect for who you're taking care of, uh, and that somehow brings some healing to their, to their soul, it seems to me. Um, and I enjoy seeing that happen. It's a, there's a great blessing to be, to me, just seeing how that affects them. And also, uh, healing takes place on us as physicians. You know, there's a certain part of us, aspect of uh, us that are healed in working with these individuals. Mm. I, I, I did some missionary work with an organization called Vets with a Mission. And these are Vietnam veterans that were traumatized during the war and they go back twice a year to Vietnam to help with missionary work, and they recruit doctors that uh, assist them. And of course, I was not involved in the Vietnam War, but uh, I, I joined this organization, and it is just an amazing, amazing experience. Uh, and there was one um, uh, event that occurred. We were in a clinic out in the jungle, uh, and it was named after uh, a helicopter pilot that was shot down and killed right on that spot and they built a clinic in his honor and while mm. I was there doing an eye exam I examined an elderly man and it, as it turned out he was the individual that shot down that helicopter when he during the war and wow. so you can imagine the healing that has taken place there when uh, you know people come together for you know this this common cause, so it's a great uh, great group uh, that's with the mission. But you know you're getting me really interested in your work, and I think that you and I are probably going to be getting together again uh, <laughs> on on some well, capacity. Think, uh, that would be fantastic. I know we've we've talked about the Christian Ophthalmology Society meeting is another place that ophthalmologists can find people with a similar mindset you know that they're interested in serving and there's nothing that defines christianity better than service you know for others i think you know that loving service that you selfless service that you provide really you know is is such an important part of our faith isn't it and so it, you know it's a uh, there's the, another example of an organization that brings together people to, to to think about ways to do this better and that you mentioned earlier that i'm uh, you know, the chairman of that, uh, the missions committee, and, and by the way, I just stepped down. Oh, we're that, uh, so we're not... coming, uh, we're coming up to another break, and we come back, we can talk uh, a little bit more about that, and maybe how people can uh, participate in some of these endeavors that both of us are doing. We'll be right back after this break. Uh, welcome back to Healthy Vision, and with me is Dr. Glenn Strauss, and 
Uh, Dr. Strauss, I want to kind of close the, the show by let's talking about some of the organizations that you're involved with and maybe how the listeners can participate and become involved in, uh, you know, this wonderful missionary sure. work. Sure, there are so many opportunities out there, and, uh, uh, but it's sometimes it's hard to find a fit. So, a good idea to, if you're, if you're interested in this, to 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 really do some careful looking and and pursue things that really make sense for you. Uh, not all mission organizations are the same. Not all of them will be a good fit for you. So, just mention a couple that have, have really worked well for for me. The Mercy Ships is uh, uh, an organization that, you know, they have the largest non-governmental hospital ships in the world, and they, you know, they're currently building a, uh, a second ship. Right now they have one ship, the Africa Mercy, that's where I'm sitting right now, is in my room on the Africa Mercy, sitting in the port of Douala, uh, speaking to you. And uh, it's an organization that emphasizes uh, surgical uh, work that transforms lives. So. It's not a floating hospital so much as it's a it's an elective surgery center for people who have a, a you know, significant uh, abnormal deformations. You know, sort of like uh, maxillofacial patients, cleft lip and palate, uh, severe uh, deforming orthopedics uh, procedures. Um, you know, things that can really change a life that are very high cost to do. I've been involved with them for 20 years now, uh, working with the cataract program, developing the cataract program, as they certainly see how, uh, like it's uh, like Jesus even talking, you know, that's that's how you see the coming of the kingdom, it's the lame walk, the blind see, uh, you know, it's uh, these things are evidence of God's work, so it's been a good fit for me with Mercy Ships, it's uh, a place that has all the, the, the western equipment that I'm used to, um, and and the the stability and safety of a platform that allows us me to work for I'm going to be here in Cameroon ten months, um, you know allows me to do that safely and securely for uh, for that even extended period of time. Some people come for much shorter periods of time. They come for two weeks, three weeks, sometimes four weeks, and they come to learn the different techniques that are applicable in these um, environments where there's limited access to medical care. Uh, so I teach some specific procedures here for surgeons that are interested. Uh, the Christian Ophthalmology Society is the second one I would mention. They really uh, um, uh, offer a, a platform that, that exposes you to a wide variety of different missions and organizations. Uh, they're on, their, on their website, there are several places that will point you to uh, ways to explore the different organizations. So there's a lot of good ones out there uh, and, and help you match your interests and your skills and your schedule because that's an issue for all of us uh, I you know I left my practice because I, I didn't want that to be an issue but not everyone can do that uh, but for those that that can't leave their practice but still want to be involved there's ways to do it and the COS uh, they have annual meetings uh, they're usually very family friendly meetings by the way they you know they have a missions day on one of the days of the meeting which is very unique for an ophthalmology meeting I would say it's one of the places that uh, I, I, there's more Western uh, M6 surgeon manual small incision cataract surgeons that gather at that one meeting than any other place I know of uh, so it's a great place for me and has been for many years uh, to discuss the challenges that I have 
and even to find some of the trainees that, uh, you know, some of the people that, that go to that meeting are often residents, people that are just either at the end of their training or just finishing their training. Uh, and they're very keen to hear, how can I serve? What's God has a, what does God have for me out there? And it gives me a chance to connect with those people uh, and, and hear their stories and try to um, understand if there's something that, that may be an opportunity for them. I've had at least two of my trainees that came from the COS meeting, met them at the meeting, and they became my fellows for uh, some months uh, here in Africa. One of them now works full-time in Gabon. Uh, one of them works full-time in Peru. But these were people from the COS meeting in their residency programs that were just finishing uh, that I had the chance to meet and hear their stories and work with them then afterwards. So a wonderful place to, to meet people and to... Um, uh, to encourage uh, this sort of work. Yeah, then two organizations that I'm involved with, uh, Vets with a Mission. Uh, this is a Christian-based organization where uh, ex-veterans, Vietnam veterans, go back to Vietnam and do missionary work. And I participated in several of their missions, which have been very rewarding. And then I have uh, an organization called the Restore Vision Foundation. Uh, which I'm using that as a vehicle to kind of give back uh, to people in in need. And I recently, uh, uh, Glenn, uh, joined the Christian Ophthalmology Society meeting, and I had a smile on my face because when I was a resident 40 years ago, I listened to Jay Lawton Smith, who was a uh, neuro-ophthalmologist who was just an amazing individual. He was noted for doing three-hour eye examinations, kneeling down with patients and praying at the end of their visit, <laughs> and really, really quite a character. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you had yeah. the opportunity to meet him. Uh, I did, actually. I, and I was uh, the residency director at the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston and uh, invited him to come as a speaker one year, as a guest speaker. He and Jim Rousey, uh, he had, so, uh, you know, a charismatic person like uh, Jay Lawton Smith, you know, they, he gathers people that, you know, that he influences lots of people. And uh, he had a small group of, of, of people that he had influenced, including Jim Rousey and some others. Uh, and they all came as a group to, uh, to, uh, to speak at this residency, uh, residency day. Uh, it was just an amazing time that for them to share their faith, uh, you know, even in a secular university, which, it, you know, it's, it's um, they don't get away with that too often these days, right? It's uh, hard for people to share their faith in those environments, but uh, I, was, I was really happy that they were able to encourage these residents that I'd been working with uh, to, uh, to explore their own faith and see ways that God might want to use them. And in fact, Several of them uh, were uh, strongly influenced by that meeting and have continued to serve since then. Just sort of amazing to see how those people like that can have such an effect. Well, um, uh, Dr. Strauss, I want to thank you so much for taking time to be on Healthy Vision and sharing with the listeners your remarkable work and also taking the time to, I guess, really uh, talk to folks on this uh, Thanksgiving weekend. We have so much to be thankful for. 
and it's really important for doctors to kind of give back to people that are truly in need and I want to congratulate you so much on uh, the work that you're doing and um, I look forward to meeting you at um, maybe the next uh, Christian Ophthalmology Society meeting or maybe joining you on a mission in the future. Thank you very much. I'd love to see you. Well, if you're interested in getting more information on the Christian Ophthalmology Society, you can go to www.cosw.org. That's www.cosw.org. And for the nonprofit organization called the Restore Vision Foundation, that's all one word, restorevisionfoundation.org. And um, I look forward to doing everything we can to help people improve their uh, vision and give them a better quality of life. Uh, thank you uh, for listening to Healthy Vision Talk Radio. This is your host, Dr. Edward Kondrat, and I'm here every Sunday evening. And I want to thank Dr. Glenn Strauss again. And to all of you out there, wishing you good health and clear vision. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. If you'd like to learn more about alternative eye treatments, access free reports, or subscribe to Dr. Kondrat's newsletter, visit us at HealingTheEye.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please write a review. We love hearing from listeners. To hear more episodes about alternative eye treatments, click subscribe and download all of our previous shows. We wish you good health and clear vision.